Hi everyone and welcome to episode 10 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. This week again we are recording from our studios here on the Dinga Peninsula in the actual quite wet and dull and windy county of Kerry. Hopefully the weather will improve over the next couple of days. I hope you all had a lovely and enjoyable week since our last podcast and look like always if this is your first time listening to this podcast we'd really appreciate it if you go back to episode 1 and have a listen. Please do rate, review, tell your friends, family, whoever may be about the podcast. Even if you could get one person to, to share it on, the, on social media or if you could tell one family member about, about, about us, it would be really, really great. We'd really appreciate it. Look, any interaction that you or anyone else may have about the podcast on social media, please do tag us and the guests in it too. Now, we want to let you all know that tomorrow evening... Saturday the 1st of August we'll be announcing something very exciting on our Instagram page in conjunction with the lads over at GRG Sports. Big thank you again uh, to them for coming on board with us as sponsors of an Inside View podcast. Just want to to let you know as well guys that they're opening a new shop in their hometown of Balhadrine in the next few days so be sure to check them out if you're in the area and be sure to check them out too on social media. It's a great sign that they're they're opening in their hometown, um, and it's 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 an indication that they're going in the right direction. They're getting stronger and stronger as a company. Best of luck, guys. Okay, it's time to bring on this week's guest, and we're delighted to be joined by Cork GA star Sean Potter. The 22-year-old Cork man made his senior debut in 2016 while completed leaving cert and had a remarkable championship campaign. 2017 was another step up and it was a dream season for the Douglas man where he enjoyed a remarkable rise and was nominated for Young Football of the Year. November that year saw him attain the All-Stars win a county on the 21 title with Douglas and departed to Australia for International Rules Series all in one weekend. Since then, the Corkman has had five hamstring injuries, numerous trips to London and numerous hours of training on his own away from the squad. Hi Sean, welcome to uh, an Inside View podcast. How are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, thanks for having me, Jamie. How did you pass your time uh, during lockdown, do you know, when the restrictions were, were quite severe in the first er- the early days of it? Um, initially, I kind of find it, I kind of found it um, kind of easy enough because I had exams. It was coming up to exam season, so I was flat out with college, flat out uh, with assignments and stuff. So it kind of suited me because um, it cancelled, like the virus itself cancelled all training so I could just focus on um, my exams initially but after the exams we kind of did struggle to find a like a purpose to kind of get up in the morning because like your identity is surrounded with football like I'm Sean Powder the footballer and I go training Tuesday Thursday Saturday um, but um, after a while we kind of me and my brother we set up our own gym out the back and we kind of just uh dove into a few bicep curls, hamstring curls, you know, the <laughs> the summer body kind of look. But um but then once the restrictions started to lay off lay off, we kinda of went down to the pitch then started I started focusing on weak points of my game, like my left leg, I never kicked the ball with my left leg because I kinda of got away with it with my speed. So um now in my game on Saturday I kicked the ball for the first time ever with my left leg. So it was a big day. <laughs> It uh, it you you use the time so to work on some of the weak weak points in your game. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like as I said, my left my left leg wasn't the best, and my left hand pass wasn't the best. So I knew there were weak points in my game, and I focused on that. And I also kind of 
read started I wasn't really a reader and I kind of started reading a lot recently so I would recommend reading because I find it very interesting you get a lot of information from like other athletes and other like professions and stuff and do you think the fact you took up reading um do you think that helped you to kind of come around in, you know you said there that you found found it difficult because you your identity was kind of gone because the GA was gone for a period of time do you think reading you know gave you a different perspective to life um yeah absolutely like uh, and now I'm reading the a book by Victor Frankl he's like an Auschwitz survivor and he just talks about like um life and the meaning of life and it's it's not right to stick your stick yourself in one identity and I I realized that I did that uh, with football I was a footballer and there was kind of if that was gone it was no one else um but I realized now I have to work on other aspects of my life um so lockdown has kind of helped me in that sense like if I got a career-ending injury I I now know I'd be able to go through it better than I would have prior to lockdown if that makes sense yeah, and geez, uh, we, we'll discuss it further in a few minutes, but you you had a, f- a fair amount of injuries so far. Yeah, I've had a rough, rough uh, two years, I'd say, but thankfully now they've kind of, I'm out the other end of it and I'm back playing consistently and back uh, injury-free. Good, good, good. And look, you, you, you're a Cork man, grew up in Douglas. Give us an overview of what it was like, you know, during the, the early days. Did you play every sport or were you always a, a football man? Um, I started off just playing um, street leagues it was kind of the competition for us youngsters uh, in the Douglas GA club when I was about five, five or six and like that's where I've got my friends for life um, they're, they're the friends I'm still playing with today like um, but I did play other sports I played everything I played rugby soccer uh, golf I even had to go off cricket because my dad's Australian he wanted us to try and get the Australian side of uh, him uh, into us but uh, we didn't really take fondly to <laughs> the cricket uh, aspect but um, yeah I did play a lot of sports um, up until about the age of 12 when kind of soccer, rugby and GA started clashing and I just felt like my calling was GA and football more specifically. And I suppose look from, from the outside looking in in Cork you know it's, it's such a big big county in a big it's a big city in a big county and there's so many different you know sports going on there um is ga as big as it was before there um honestly i don't think so i think um kind of there's a pull from other uh sporting like soccer rugby um and even like i don't think young people today are even playing as much sport as they used to with Xbox and technology and stuff. Um, but no, I don't think GA is as big as um, as it was in Cork and football more, uh, uh, especially because like we'd walk around, like the Cork players in Douglas would walk around um, in Douglas and no one would recognize them. Whether, and we'd go down to Kerry and people would recognize, recognize us more than in Kerry than in Douglas. Like So it kind of shows um, the kind of love for GA is kind of, uh, specific to certain areas. Yeah, on, on that point, I suppose. Look, I suppose everything goes in in cycles. Um, and you know, just to give an overview, in in Cork is, um, look, I know Douglas is a, a big football club. Um, 
but is it, like what's the biggest kind of sport in the city? Would it be a more rugby or would it be more football or soccer? Or what's the makeup of it roughly? Um, personally, I think Cork has kind of always been a hurling county, and there's kind of always a kind of pull towards hurling. Um, but um, the people who love football and love Cork football will always show up for Cork football, whether it's up in Antrim or down in Parky Creek, they'll always be there. And kind of that's kind of we prefer to have loyal supporters rather than supporters who kind of just um, show up um, when we're going well. Um, because especially with the way Cork football has been recently, um, the results haven't been kind of going in a positive direction. But thankfully, um, we always got uh, the loyal band of supporters out to support us, which we're extremely grateful for. Yeah, that's that's the main thing. And it, I suppose, look, you know, whatever happened the last couple of years, put it aside, definitely over the last, you know, before pre-lockdown, you got a great string of games um, together and you, you are doing very, very well. So hopefully that's the, the start of, of good things to come. And geez, last year you... You put uh you put it to carry as well in the in the Munster Munster final. Yeah, I think kind of it was before um last year we kind of had players who didn't really fully commit to Cork football. They're they're kind of focusing on other aspects of their lives. But the players we have now, their sole aim is Cork football and to get Cork football back where it should be. Uh, competing with the likes of Kerry, Dublin in uh, Division One teams, and I I think right now we have. The management and the players who are willing to put everything on the line to reach that uh, final goal, which I don't think we had before. Um, so that's why I think we've kind of turned turned corner, a massive corner, um, because the results are showing what we're doing on the training pitch. And just to, I suppose, just to, gi- to give the, you know, a lot of the Kerry people would be down in Cork. They go to college in Cork, and they'd be aware of the the makeup of the, the championship down there. Um, would you give us uh, an overview of what the the championship is like? I believe it's very much like Kerry of divisions as well, divisional teams competing. Yeah. Um. So this year it's kind of changed changed up a bit. Where usually it was you played one game and if you lost that you'd have one more chance in in a back door and you're gone. But this year we're kind of playing a group stage where there's four teams in a group and you play each team and the top two qualify for a quarter final. Um. And the divisionals then come in in the quarter final. Um, but um, I think having the divisional teams in the championship is um, necessary, and I think it kind of gives like junior A clubs, uh, junior B clubs, kind of um, like the top players of their clubs the opportunity to compete at senior level and compete with the best players in the county, um, which they couldn't do if their club is junior A or junior B because you're born into your club, like you can't really you can't change uh, you can't change your club, like so I kind of I. I I I agree with putting divisions divisional teams in there. Well, I know there's a bit of uh, the other side of things saying it's unfair on other teams, but personally, I think they should be there and they deserve to be there. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good um good way of you know for the top players like you're saying from junior clubs and you know intermediate clubs to play at 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 that high level. Um, right, you're you play with Cork. Um, so tell us how how you got to to that stage. You know, did you just break into the senior team, or, or did you play all the way up, or what was the what was the makeup of it? Um, I kind of was in the, the development squads per se, um, from the age of fourteen. So I played Cork development squads from fourteen up to under seventeen, and then I got picked for minor. Um, 
when I was under 17. Um, so I think we lost to Dublin that year. And then I was captain uh, when it was a full year minor under 18. And we lost to Kerry down in Tralee uh, by a point. And then the next year after, we went to the All-Ireland Final uh, under 21, where we lost to Mayo um, up in Ennis. Um, but I think um, after that year, I was called in. I remember Eamon Ryan rang me. It was uh, Tuesday night, and Eamon Ryan rang me, and he just said, look, would you would you be interested in coming in? And I initially thought it was one of my friends uh, ripping the piss out of me. Uh, so I was like, uh, I was a bit weary, uh, but I remember when I got off the phone, I was kind of shaking because it was kind of, it was what I've always wanted to do. Um, even I was talking to my mum the other day, she was saying how I was pretending to be Colin Corker out in my backyard and or, uh, Daniel Goulding or Donna O'Connor. And she was like, this, this, this fella is absolutely nuts. And that was at the age of five. So I've always wanted to play for Cork and finally I got my chance. And you, you got your chance at it very young. You were you were just um eighteen, nineteen, were you? Or was it twenty eight? Yeah, I just just turned eighteen. Um and I remember my first training session in there was Mark and uh Paul Kerrigan. He'll he'll kill me over this, but I remember he took me for one, four or five and I thought, Jesus, that's my senior career finished here. Um but thankfully they saw something in me and kept me on and I played um I made my debut um I think about two months later against Tipperary and Thurless, which was um, surreal. Um, I had the only, the only, the only problem my mum had was I had maths paper two the next day. <laughs> so <laughs> the leaving search kind of took a back seat there for, for a couple of days. I, I, that was my, my next question. How did you, how did you balance the, you know, you know, say that big achievement of, of breaking into the, the county set up at such, such a young age and, you know, trying to keep, focus for your leaving sort did you find that hard at that age um i did i did to be fair but but um for sixth year fifth year and sixth year um i was playing carnivore and hearty so um which was earlier on the year so we had to balance it um from the start of the year really and because we got to the final of both that year with the balance and study and um, obviously exams and stuff so i kind of used that kind of Harting kind of a test run to when um, I got into the senior team, and I thought it was just about uh, time management. Really, there was no there was no kind of late nights watching Netflix. It was all get the stuff done, train, homework, um, re- repeat, literally repeat every day, um, and I think it worked. Thankfully. And on that point, just out of, out of curiosity, um, yeah, the time management was was obviously very important at a at a younger age, and. It's, I'd say it's still very, very important in your life now, is it? And do you, yeah. do you think, you know, what have you learned over the last couple of years about being strict on yourself? It's easy to write out things to get done, but to be strict and to actually get to them is, is, the, is yeah. the challenge. Um, For me, it was kind of finding the reasons why I wanted to do it. Um, if I didn't if I didn't find the reason why I wanted to do it, I wouldn't do it. Um, and that's still the reason today. If I didn't want to kind of clean my room I wouldn't but I'd have to find a reason why um so that was that was the first step but once I did that I kind of just um made it a habit like I started off small I like say I, uh, this was when I read my first book was uh, Atomic Habits um so I would recommend reading that book but it was literally he just talks about like showing up is kind of the most the kind of best thing you can do even if it's for two minutes and I kind of 
at start year all i did was sit down for 10 minutes study and if it, if it got too much i step away but i was getting in the habit of studying and then eventually it became half an hour an hour two hours and then it was into a routine at that stage so it's a, it's so it's find the reason why and i suppose not to go too much in at the start just to kind of build it up yeah i think one of the main problems is people just dive in they have about 10 different goals and then the, the next the next day they're just like screw that that's too much <laughs> and go back to bed um just set one goal get that done and go on to the next um, and I, I well it worked for me personally it might work for you but it, it worked for me i suppose it's important too to on on uh, in the atomic habits um they, he's, he's very big about you know setting measurable and manageable goals Do you know there's no point of setting something crazy that you know you won't <laughs> that isn't possible to achieve in, in your current circumstance yeah exactly it's like sort of like uh, initially it was study for 10 minutes um it wasn't study the textbook in a month it was study 10 minutes tomorrow study or read read a book read half an hour of a book or kick for 10 minutes out your back garden lit small goals but over time they they compound and eventually just lead to changes and you'll see the changes after two or three months you'll realize jesus that little small change i made three months ago has made a big difference three months later all all, all baby steps and it eventually, <laughs> yeah. eventually eventually builds up um on you mentioned there you played hearty hearty cup so that means you you yeah. played a bit of hurling did you did you play hurling with the county or was it just with the club or with the school um when i got knocked out of um cork minor against Kerry that year I was captain I, came, I went into the Cork minor hurlers to play I was in there for six weeks and I started against Limerick in the Munster semi-final but we lost that day so you could consider me a dual Cork minor but I only played uh, 40 minutes because I got whipped after 40 minutes because I only got a point but you, <laughs> if you're being generous you could consider me a, a dual Cork minor yeah and, and did you put the, the hurling to side in after after the minors um, I played, I played, Car- I played Douglas Senior for two years after, but with the hamstring injuries, I kind of felt I needed to get those right and get back playing football. And then maybe in the future, I'll join back hurling. But at the moment, I'm kind of just managing my body and just making sure that I'm playing games rather than sitting on the sideline watching. Can you give us um, an overview, if you can, and create that picture of what it was like to put on the jersey of a cock. You know, at a young age, you were looking up to the likes of Daniel Goulding and, and Colin Cockery. And what was it like? I know it was a dream come true, but... Yeah. You paint yourself. Um, it was kind of... Um, I wouldn't say I was pinching myself, but it was kind of a scenario where I was questioning myself initially. I was like, Jesus, should I even be in this room with the likes of Donna O'Connor, Paul Kerrigan, and... Um, Podixan, they've all won all Ireland medals and I'm uh, just an 18 year old um, like should I really be here and I remember after my second training session I got a little elbow into the face of I, I won't name the player I'll keep him nameless but uh, I remember Donnick O'Connor came over to me and he, he said subtly don't take that shit you're good enough to be in there and that was kind of the kind of boost or kind of words of wisdom I needed and from there I didn't really look back I just went look this is my chance to play for Cork, and I just go by the scruff of the neck. Uh, um, but the day I received the jersey and kind of called to come on, 
you don't really it doesn't really register with you until after the game because you're like jesus this is what i wanted for till i was five um and it kind of i wish looking back on it i took more of the actual experience itself in rather than just i was i was focused on the game itself but rather enjoy it more if that makes sense yeah yeah and after 2016, um, you, did you play many games after your, your debut? Um, I played, I got my first start um, against Donegal up in Crow Park that year. Um, but I played all those qualifier games after we lost the tip that year. So I kind of got a consistent run there as well, yeah. And you, you really kind of kicked on um, in, in 2017. You earned a Young Footballer of the Year nomination. Do you know what that that must have been a good um, confidence booster again and kind of made you realise that, look, I must be doing something right. Yeah, it was 100%. It was, um, like, I only started two games that year, Kerry and Mayo, and I got nominated for Young Player of the Year, so I kind of thought, Jesus, maybe uh, maybe I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a footballer here. But um, I kind of just looked back on that and was like, it's time to just start playing um, and start enjoying it more rather than questioning yourself. Um, so it was nice um, to be associated with the likes of Conor Callaghan now and Rian O'Neill. Um, but um, looking back, it's literally just I wish I enjoyed it more because once, like, I know we're going to talk about injuries in a minute, but once it's gone, um, you kind of, you just wish you enjoyed it more. Yeah, I'd, say the, the, I'd say the fact that you had the, the injuries, I suppose, it gave you... Um gave you that time to reflect on on those moments yeah absolutely um like prior to the injuries i was if uh on the pitch my my friends would kill me for this but i was a cranky little fella on the pitch um i'd always be kind of roaring roaring at them roaring abuse come on to you know come on wilson you're better than that kind of stuff but now i've kind of calmed down a bit and i've realized just enjoy the game like you play your best football when you're actually enjoying it um and I think through suffering, I've kind of found um, what football is and like what really means to me. Um, so yeah. And but I, um, one point I want to say to you actually before I, before I go any further is yeah. I suppose in life we all have good times. We all have a good weekend or a good week here and there. But in one yeah. weekend, you attended uh, the All Stars, won on the Cork Under Twenty One title with Douglas and. You got called into uh, Joe Curran's Aussie Rules team, you know, for the Irish team for the Aussie Rules yeah. uh, competition, international rules competition. You must be an, uh, an all-time high then, were you? Yeah, it was kind of, it, that was a pinch myself moment. Like, um, it was just um, up in the All-Stars with the likes of Michael Murphy, um, those type of, Aidan O'Shea, and then you're down back down the Saturday night to play a uh, county final, win the county final, back up to Dublin again, get on a plane over to Australia. It was it was just surreal and um, that'll probably never happen again. So it was just one of those moments where you're like, Jesus Christ, this is actually happening. It was one, it's, just, it's literally dreamland. Um, but I remember when I came down from the All-Stars the Saturday night, my... Uh, Douglas coach was like, you better not be getting too big of a head. No, we have a county to win here. <laughs> but thankfully we won it or he would have killed me. Um, but yeah, it, it was surreal. Um, and I just wish, like, I, I hope something like that will happen again in the future, which is probably unlikely, but it was top class. 
uh, look, you, you never know what's around the corner. You, you never to, know. Yeah. yeah, you have to stay optimistic. And on that, <laughs> on that international rules um, experience, uh, did you get any game time or, or what was the, like, was it three weeks you were you going away for? Or what, what was the whole makeup of it? Um, we went for three, I think it was two and a half weeks. So I think the first kind of week was kind of settling in. It was kind of getting used to getting climatized to the conditions because it was every day it was 30 degrees. So it was completely different to, to Ireland or anything. Um, so I was literally just kind of getting acclimatized and getting over the jet lag. Um, so the training was light. It was just literally kickabouts, tactics, that kind of stuff. But then we played then we played this on the Saturday and then we played the next Saturday again. Um, but with regard to game time, I with the international rules, it's kind of rotating subs. So you could be called on at any time. But I think I got about 20 minutes the first first game and then I started the second game because I was they have the small forward called Eddie Betts and he was kind of causing a bit of damage the first day. So with my height, I was assigned to be the smaller player and thankfully he didn't score too much that day, the second day, but we lost, unfortunately. Uh, it must have been a, a surreal experience, like, you know, at, at, at 19. Well, you were probably 19, 20 then, were you? Yeah, I was 19 uh, at the time. So, like, literally the same thing as the All-Stars when you're going over on a plane with Aidan O'Shea, Michael Murphy, Colin McShane, um, or not Colin McShane, uh, oh, geez, he's going to kill me, uh, Tyrone Goley. Oh, uh, what's the name? <laughs> he's going to kill me in a, um, Morgan, uh, Morgan and the goalie. Um, just th- th- those type of players. Um, and it was even better to have my club mate on Cadigan with me. Um, he was kind of uh, my minder, um, you'll say. Um, so, but like, as I, as, as I said before, being associated with those type of players is just, Maybe, like it made you feel like you actually deserve to be there when you're playing with them. And like Conor McManus, I remember in the, the trial games up to the up to the the actual tour itself, he was like some of the shooting he was doing was you know, like it's just dreamland stuff. Like he'd be on the sideline outside the boot, and you're like, it's grand. We leave him shoot out there, and it just goes over the bar, and you're like, how am I supposed to mark this? Um. So, so yeah, it kind of made you look at your game like my game personally in a different light like they'd be on the pitch 45 minutes before training practicing freeze while um me the 18 year old 19 year old would rock up 10 minutes to go jog out in the field and they're they've after kicked about 120 balls like so it kind of made you see what the next step up again um is and what it takes to get to that level you know during your time uh over there and i suppose since then you'll probably you know delve in and watch a bit of the dozy rules um do you think jay could could take anything from that game to to i wouldn't say well they had to improve our own game you know before lockdown yeah. there was a lot of talk about the crack of having maybe two refs yeah um, I think they've taken a lot from the game with like the, the mark from the kickout and the mark, the, the forward mark now. Um, but with regards to referees, I reckon that that could that would be extremely beneficial to GA, um, especially hurling. But even football, like uh, personally, I know what what it's like to play both as a back and as a forward. So I know what goes on, what the back does to the forward. Um, so I I like from a forward's perspective. To have two refs, but from a back, no. 
um, because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as a back, you, you don't want the power getting a few yards. You want to get the cheeky jugging, tugging the jersey or a cheeky elbow or something. Um, but with it would make a better spectacle if there was two refs because the stuff that's going on wouldn't be allowed and it would be blown up because, like, umpires, umpires are just really there to wave the flag. They don't really have an input in the game and they're not, they're not really helping the referee. Um, so I think two referees could would be extremely beneficial from a back's perspective. Anyway. Look, Sean, we really touched on there uh, at times about about your injury. So do you want to give us an overview of exactly when it, it happened? It was a hamstring injury. Um, what exactly was it? Was a hamstring tear, or or do, do you want to give um, us an overview of when it happened and the journey since? Yeah. Um, so. The first one happened, um, it was a league game against the Parade. It was 2016. Uh, the first game, actually, in the new Parky Creeve. And I remember it was 40 minutes into the game, and I just went to kick the ball down the sideline and kind of get a 1-2. And I kind of felt a hamstring, or felt a click in the hamstring. And I kind of thought nothing of it, so I tried to get up again and sprint. And there was just a, I just knew there was something wrong. So I came off anyway, I got assessed by the physio. He was he was just like we're gonna get a scan tomorrow see what happens, and initially we got the scan and it came back as a normal hamstring tear you know for four to six weeks kind of rehab and then back, um but then Colin the physio sent the scan to a specialist and specialist says no there's actually ten a tendon involved in this so it do, uh, when there's a tendon involved in the injury it kind of doubles the rehab because. Um, with tendons they're not getting the same blood supply as a muscle so it obviously takes longer for it to heal so it, the rehab went from six months to or six weeks to three months um, so then I came back and I was nearly back I went through all the rehab it was nearly at the three months and I was just doing a little sprint session rehab sprint session and I felt the same click again back to square one um, scan ha- tendon tear three months out again so oh, I I attacked the rehab again with the same kind of venom I was like I'm getting it right this time then I came back and I remember I was back I trained for two or three weeks and then we played a challenge game against Ross Common and it kind of felt tight in the warm-up but I thought it was just kind of first game back kind of just jitters or something and then I went to kick a ball down the sideline, went to run after it again, exact same thing. Um, so I was kind of, Jesus, what's what's happening here? And then, so we rehabbed, we rehabbed it, we took an extra two months. So if this was at six months now, we took six months off, got the leg, got the right leg right. And I remember I was playing a club under 21 game um, a county club on the 21 game and I went, went up to catch a ball and I came down and just about to take off I felt the same click sensation but this time in the left um, which is kind of the killer kind of blow because you kind of get used to the right being sore and you'll be so weary about the right but with the left you're like Jesus do I have to tear this now three times before I get it right that kind of way so I remember we attacked the we attacked the rehab again with the same oomph, um, but this time it was kind of is it really worth it? I was questioning, like, like I've been is this ever going to get right? And um, so we went over to London. I 
Brian O'Connell, the physio, sent me over to London where I met um, with surgeons, um, the same surgeon who treated Harry Kane recently, um, and physios who treated Usain Bolt. So they came, they gave me an extensive rehab program there. And I remember, like, I was in, when I came back that time, I was in the best shape. My legs were as strong as they ever were. And thankfully, since going over to London, getting the opinions of the specialist, I've been able to kind of get back playing, get back playing injury-free. Whoa. <laughs> how, did you, yeah. how, how did you keep, like, right, you, you did it the first two times is on your right, and then you did it on your left, and then yeah. after that? There was, yeah, there was a small, there was a, a niggle on the left in, thrown in there, in, in there between. Um, so I total, I've had five hamstrings uh, pairs, yeah. And what was the last one? Was it at the left or was that the right? That was the the left one was the last one. So um, the left tendon was the last uh, big hamstring I've had. And how did you, you know, right? You said the the first um, the first injury, you know, you you kind of got yourself back and you you got going again. But how did you get your mindset and how do you keep upbeat to rehab for the second for the third? For the fourth, for the yeah. Fifth. Um, the first one was kind of it was a kind of novelty. It was my first time properly getting injured, so it was kind of a new experience. So I kind of it was more out of curiosity. I was upbeat. I was like, Jesus, what's gonna what's rehab like? I've never had it, so let's give it a bash and see what happens. But then when the second and third time came around, it was Jesus. This this is not what it's all cracked out to be. It was boring. The, the rehab was boring. You're going to training. You're going. You're all you're doing is going into the gym while the lads are going out playing matches. It's not um what you want. But thankfully, I kind of there was players on my team that were were in the exact same situation as me. Like Brian Hurley. Now he tore his hamstring off the bone. He was out. He tore it off his bone twice, and he was out for nearly 13 months. And he was just like literally take it day by day. Set small goals for yourself. Like even small goals in the gym. Say try and aim to hamstring curl 20 kg and in three weeks time be able to hamstring curl 25 kg and that's kind of the only way I didn't look too far in the future I was just setting small goals for myself and like conversations with like the rugby player Johnny Holland he's our sports nutritionist he just he was he had to retire with hamstring injuries from Munster and he just talks about look you have the opportunity to get it right I never had the opportunity so I'm telling you give it a whack and if it goes wrong then you can make a decision but just keep going and he was he was just telling me it will get right just listen to the experts they know what they're talking about and thankfully um I persevered and I'm out the other side but there was times when I was um I had a conversation with my mom is like is is it ever going to get right should I consider kind of looking at a different route should I consider packing it in um we had those conversations but thankfully mm, uh, we came out the other side of those conversations and said, look, we'll give it one more whack and if something happens, we'll talk then. And those uh, those five uh, injuries, did, they, did you completely tear it off the bone or was it just a slight tear? What what exactly was the, the makeup of it? Um, the first one was, it was hanging on by a few millimetres, uh, the tendon, so... If it tore the rest, if it tore, I think it was two millimeters was hanging on left, and if it tore that, I was I 
I would have needed surgery and it was kind of six months rehab then. But thankfully it stayed just intact. Um, so I was able to rehab it normally without surgery. But each time I tore it, it the kind of degree of tearing decreased, which meant I, the hamstring was getting stronger, but it wasn't where it should be. Um, so maybe the fact I tore it three or four times made the actual hamstring itself so strong that hopefully it won't tear again. Um, but time will tell with that thing, that and, theory. <laughs> and uh, when did you, you said there you went over to London. Uh, at, at what stage did you go over to London? Um, was it after the second tear on the, or was it tear number three um, Initially, we went over to London to meet the surgeon, the first hamstring tear, and he was like, no, um, we rehab it. I think you should rehab it. And then surgery would always be an option in the future if the rehab doesn't work. Um, but then when I started tearing, continuously tearing it, we went over to the surgeon and then he recommended kind of physios who worked with like Olympic athletes. His name's James Moore. He was working with Usain Bolt and he was the kind of physio where people where athletes went to if they had a recurring problem. He was kind of the last resort. And thankfully he gave us kind of things to work on that no one else thought of. Um, um, and thankfully, like I worked on those for three or four months and then came back in good enough condition to kind of compete again. And thankfully I'm back performing where I want to, at, at the level I want to be performing. And did, did this lockdown come in good time for you? Like, or were you back before the lockdown? Um, it came at a very poor time because it was the first time I got a string of games together. I, I started the first five league games, which I haven't done in three years. Um, so lockdown did come at a bad time, but it also gave me an opportunity to kind of take a break from football and just kind of um, see the other aspects of life and see what's really important. Like in three or four years, football um, might be um, like could be over for me, um, but I know that I, I won't have my identity tied to football. And I suppose just to move on to... Um the current makeup of, of Cork football, right? In Division 3, it is what it is. Uh, you got relegated last year, so be it. But things were, were definitely going well up to just before lockdown. You got, I think you won five from five. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you were probably definitely in line to get promoted. Uh, do you think that Cork football and Cork, football culture has taken a good a turn for the best um i think so um as i said earlier i think we've got the right people involved now and people whose sole aim is to get cork football back competing um like we've players who've won an under 20 all ireland last year um with the likes of the, the more experienced players like paul kerrigan and james locker and i think a good team has a balance of both experience and youth and um, and I sit somewhere in between. Um, but I think now we have, as I said, the right players and the right kind of management and the right setup and just people who believe Cork football can compete with the best. And I think that was kind of um, one of the major factors holding us back is kind of a lack of belief that we could compete. And I think the fact we ran Kerry so close last year kind of gave us the belief that Jesus, we actually can compete with um, with these lads again. And I suppose, you know, in, in lockdown, you, know, you you have experienced 
you know, period of time not playing football. I know you're saying you're going to the gym, you know, when you were rehabbing. Uh, do you think it's, it's difficult for amateur people to, you know, to have a focus and, you know, to get back training day in, day out when for such a period of time during lockdown they weren't allowed to train? Um, and do you think it's going to have a positive or negative effect on players, you know, if they're, you know, if they're thinking of retiring, do you think they will retire now because they know what it feels like? Or do you think, look, they give another bash because they're, they have the batteries recharged? <laughs> um, I, I'd be leaning towards the kind of battery re- recharge theory. It kind of gave people a sense of what life is like without football. And I don't think people liked it um, because it kind of, for me, it was a way to just ex- escape normal day activities. It was kind of a way that I could just, the only thing I'd be thinking about on the football field would be playing football. It wouldn't be what what class do I have at nine o'clock. It's literally the only thing. Um, when you're there, it's just kicking the ball over the bar, having crack with the lads. Um, so I think uh, we'd be lean. I'd be leaning towards the more kind of optimistic kind of. Even I was talking to James Locker the other day. He was considering his body wasn't like in the best kind of condition, and he was getting groin pains and stuff. But he was like this lockdown has given me the opportunity to get my body in the best shape. And I've, I feel like I've, I'm feel like a 21 year old now. Um, so we'll see how long that lasts, but I think kind of the older players are kind of, they've, they've got a sense of what retirement could feel like. And if you, I feel like a few of them haven't liked what it, uh, what's behind the door. And right, going forward, what's next for, uh, for you? Um, you have right. Hopefully, you 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 get to play a few some club games in uh, in the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months. Then Cork in October, I think the GA in the county scene is allowed to to get back. You you mentioned about you know right you, that's the GA side of things. You mentioned about identity a few times throughout the podcast already. You've been working to have another identity aside from the footballer. So what have, yeah. you, what have you been doing outside of football? Um, well, from the injury kind of perspective, it kind of I've been meeting experts and sports medical um, uh, physicians and doctors and and physios, and they kind of it kind of made me want to become a sports doctor. And kind of I've learned so much knowledge from hamstrings and. Um, from these experts that I feel like the knowledge isn't in Ireland and there's so much that people don't know about hamstrings that I think I know um, and I've been told that it and well that I think I know anyway Um, so I've always I've always kind of wanted to be a doctor but I didn't know what kind of route I would take and through this injury I've realized that I want to be a sports doctor and I want to help people who have recurring hamstring injuries who've had just injuries in general get through um, the tough times because it's kind of the unseen um, part of sport. Like if you're injured, you're kind of forgotten about. And even for me personally, even in the inter-county setup, people kind of forget about you. Oh, he's in the gym and they don't really, the only person you're really interacting with is the physio. Um, so it's hard even mentally as much as physically. And I just feel like I can relate to players who have to go through that. And I think, um, the best way I can do that is kind of help them quali- if I qualify as a sports doctor and that's the plan to study medicine next year. And you, you're involved with a, with a podcast, to put, uh, the performance podcast. Do you want to give us uh, an overview of, of 
why you know you you set it up and what involved yeah um so it was literally back to everything back to the injury for some reason um so when i was injured i was kind of trying to find information about hamstrings myself and it's all when you google it it's all very scientific it's all um there's no kind of layman terms explanations like in a there was no podcast that kind of explained it um for the basic player or the basic um athlete and Seamus the co-host of the performance project with me he's a physio and I just thought why not try and explain uh complex um ideas and concepts just in simple terms so everyone can understand it and I think hopefully we're doing a good job of it um <laughs> I don't know I don't know I- yet I know it's 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 um and what what episode are you on now? I think we're on episode nine, which is Johnny Johnny Holland will be out next week. Um, he'll just he'll be talking about his hamstrings and kind of the nutrition aspect of sport performance. Top man, we had him on an interview uh, yeah. Instagram live a couple of, couple of weeks ago. Gentlemen. Um, gentlemen, yeah, he uh, on on that, um, Sean. What's so? What's your you know what's your aspirations going forward to to become a doctor and work on other projects i suppose I, I, you know at the side and see where life takes you yeah literally um just not to take uh, life as seriously as it was before the injuries because as i said before i was a cranky fucker on the pitch and um, my friends after maps they wouldn't i wouldn't want to talk to them if we lost the game um but that's no way to be i think uh, now um, and just with the kind of life outside sport, I I just feel like I can help people um, get through injuries and tough times. And that's why I feel like I could be a good sports doctor um, in that sense. But literally just to enjoy life more and enjoy the experiences that it throws at you. Because it's quite short. Because I'm now into my fifth year playing with Cork and it just feels like yesterday I was marking Paul Kerrigan. So <laughs> it flies. Um, just but before I leave you go, uh, you, you know when you're injured all the time, how did you work on things to still feel part of the team? Um, like you're saying there, you know, being injured, you can be very isolated. Whether, um, whether obviously the management don't, you know, realize realize that or do it on purpose. It's just kind of the the way it is. Really, you you do a lot of work yeah. on your own. How? Did you still kind of include yourself or make yourself feel part of the the whole team, the whole team set up? Um, I think that was actually the most difficult part because um, you weren't really involved. Like when they're going through video analysis sessions, you're not really there because you're not going to play in the match. So you're not really listening. And when they're talking about like clocks to now kicking the ball to the left wing, you're like, Jeez, why do I need to know that? I'm not playing. I'm out for another two months. Um, but I know it's a bad thing to say, but it kind of helps when someone else is injured with you because there you have someone in the gym with you, working with you. Um, like through all my rehabs, there was always someone there, whether it was Dunnick O'Connor, whether it was Brian Driscoll, whether it was um, Brian Hurley. I always had someone to text before training saying, what's up, what's the session tonight, uh, kind of thing. Um, so if it was me by myself, I I don't know what I would have done, but thankfully I didn't have to experience that because I had um, a kind of other players who were there with me. Um, but it is it is extremely difficult um, because, as I said, 
you play football to be to actually play football. You don't play football to be in the gym. So when that's taken away from you, you you struggle a bit. But thankfully now I'm with the other side. On that note, uh, we'll 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 leave it there. Look, Sean, thanks a million for taking time out and coming on Inside View podcast, and best luck going forward. Thanks a million. I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Sean. Look, what can we say? It's such a difficult journey the the Cork man um, has been through. Look, at the age of twenty two, he's been in around the Cork setup for five years now. Like, has gone through such a difficult, difficult time. Uh, look, you you heard it there himself. He sustained five hamstring injuries, which has to be, you know, had to be like very, very testing for him, both mentally and physically. Um, and having openly admitted that he contemplated packing it, packing it all in, he persevered and is now fully fit. Um, having had a good run of form before COVID nineteen, but a halt to matters. Uh, what I found very interesting, um, was how Sean admitted that before going through these difficult times. Um, with his teammates on the pitch, looking might have been difficult with them. He was giving out to them. He openly admitted that the journey look has allowed him to see things from a different perspective, um, and he has also allowed him uh, to, you know, to look that there's actually more things in life than football. Um, and look, perhaps look, perhaps we can all take something from that. Sports is only around for a period of of one's life. Don't leave that period. Be the one to, to you know to find your identity. It's it's good to have other strings to go as well, as they say. Look, that's all from us here on this week's podcast. Please do get in contact with the show if you have any stories from part of a team, whether it is a sport team or a corporate team. Please do let us know. Don't worry, everything will be kept confidential. Don't forget to rate, review, and tell your friends, family, whoever may be about an inside view podcast. And please do go and follow us on our social media channels too where we'll be kept up to date with all the information about the world and about what we're doing in the world of on-the-ball team building. You'll find us on Instagram at underscore on-the-ball team building. Over on Facebook, you'll find us on-the-ball team building. And on Twitter, you'll find us at weareontheball2. That is the digit two. Have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week when we'll have another exciting guest on. Till then, please do stay safe and remember, create in a thin. Talk to you all soon.